before we get into today's podcast, I just want to tell you a really cool story uh, that happened to my wife and I uh, last week when we were on a routine flight headed for St. Louis for a friend's wedding. And I, I just think you guys are really going to get a kick out of this. Uh, we were just on a routine flight out to St. Louis, like I said, for that wedding. Uh, and right before we left, it was announced that it was our captain's last flight as an airline pilot, and he would be retiring after 33 years uh, with American Airlines. Uh, and that captain's name is Captain Legal. And when we touched down in St. Louis, I couldn't help but notice when we were taxiing that there were two firefighting rigs by the taxiway. And then I was like, oh, I know what's coming next. This is so cool. And Captain Legal, he received his ceremonial water cannon salute, uh, and it was performed by the Lambert Fields firefighting team. Uh, you know, it was so cool it, just to experience this and know it was such a touching piece uh, to the end of his career. And if you guys don't know, the water cannon salute is a touching airport tradition, a, just really aviation tradition, to honor military veterans, retiring pilots, and ATC personnel, foreign dignitaries, or uh, new or retiring airline uh, services. So it really is a really cool tradition. So the water cannon salute it pretty much is just a really mad sign of respect for service to the aviation field. And it was so cool and humbling to see an aviator like that get the respect and send off that they deserve after flying and taking to the skies for 30, uh, 33 years. And I mean, that whole experience, you know, that was something that I wanted to be on, you know, be on a first flight or be on a retiring flight and be able to, you know, experience that as a passenger uh, with the pilot. It was just incredibly cool. But what was even better is. After the flight, I said, you know what? I told my wife, I said, you know what? I have to, I got to get a quick interview with this guy. 33 years, water cannon salute. I mean, this is just so cool. She's like, oh, no, no, no. You're bugging him. He's, this is a high moment for him. I said, I just want a quick quote, and I have the perfect question uh, for him. And I recorded that question for the podcast, and I even told him about it, too. It's funny because at first he didn't know what a podcast was. And then everybody around uh, told him it's kind of like a radio show. And it was so cool. Uh, it was a humbling experience. But I'm going to fill you guys in on this quick question, and I'm going to let you listen to it here. What advice uh, would you give any younger aviator trying to uh, trying to make their way up into uh, the ranks like you after 33 years? Be safe. Get your hours. Get your ratings as fast as you can and then start applying to all the airlines, all the airlines. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for 33 years, and uh, that was a fun flight. I really, really appreciate well, thank it. Thank you. Thanks for being with me on my last flight. Thank, thank you very you. much. Enjoy. I appreciate it. So though that was really, really quick, um, I thought it was, it was just a good tidbit of information for anybody who is out there uh, thinking about aviation, going through uh, their pilot's license and whatnot. Um, and it was just an overall theme of keep doing what you're doing uh, and really, you know, reach your goals and do as much as you can. I mean, that's really what uh, I got out of that short information. But I really, really appreciated uh, Captain Legal giving me um, giving me that tip and not only stopping in and saying hi and uh, shaking my hand uh, and talking, uh, talking with me. It was it was a really cool experience. 
um, and something that I know he will he will remember forever. And I personally, uh, just from my love of aviation, will uh, remember forever. So thank you, Captain Legal, for the amazing opportunity to be with you uh, on your final uh, retirement flight from American Airlines. Uh, and I hope you go on to do some uh, pretty cool things as well. And us young kids will uh, we'll keep aviation uh, going as well uh, so we can follow in your footsteps. So now on to today's episode. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Colin, the Chief Av Geek, Aviation Maniac, or whatever you want to call me. Today, we got another great episode for all of you guys out there because we are on episode two of the Ask the Av Geek show, and I have another special guest on with me today. And this time, we're doing a little bit differently because he's joining me via Skype. But that's why I love technology, and we'll get into uh, some more about that. But everyone, I'd like to introduce you guys to uh, to Austin. Austin, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Uh, just give the audience kind of a brief introduction about yourself, how old you are, where you're from, uh, and who you are. Okay. So I'm Austin Claiborne. I'm from Yuma, Arizona. I am a helicopter and an airplane pilot, but I've uh, kind of let the airplane go and just focused on the helicopter. Um, and I currently go to ASU. I'm a student. I'm in my senior year here, finishing up construction management major. And uh, aviation is kind of a hobby. It's a, just something I do for fun. And the flying is just a good time. So you said ASU, and I think it's it's super funny because I actually was supposed to be a student at ASU. I had. Uh, I had applied and I wanted to go to ASU for architecture school. They have a super, super good architecture school there. Uh, but that was about the, that was the 0809 downturn when I was graduating high school and I had talked to my parents and then they were like, yeah, maybe architecture is not the best thing to go into, uh, right now. So I decided to stay home and go to my home business school. Uh, but I got a lot of love for, for ASU, but I have to ask you, are the rumors true? Is ASU as fun as everybody makes it uh, makes it to seem? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's a fantastic time. And I think that you will find, I guess, some of the rumors, I guess you would say, are that it's a party school. But um, I think you can find that anywhere if you're looking for it. But at the same time, we have a lot of fun. But I'm very happy with the education I'm getting. And that uh, it's, it's definitely... I'm, I'm very happy with my choice. So, you know, what's crazy about what you just said is you're there, you're going to school for construction management and you're a helicopter pilot. How, how did you, you know, how do you have a passion for both of those? Cause usually, you know, kids in college now and they're pilots, usually, you know, they're in an aviation program or, uh, they're doing something in related to aviation. So do you love both or how did you come into doing both? Well, so my family has a construction business, and so I've always been around construction, and and my plan's always been to go back and, and go to work for the family company after college. And so that was kind of always the plan, was construction. And, and at the same time, my family's had airplanes in, um, in the past, and so I've been around aviation. But the helicopter 
you know, it's, it's kind of funny. My freshman year, I, I, after I figured out what my schedule was going to be and I had a little bit of free time, I was kind of going, uh, you know, what am I going to do? And um, I don't know why it popped in my head, but I just had this wild-ass idea. I'd go do an intra flight in a helicopter. And I think before the thing even started spinning, I was sold. I was head over heels. That was all I wanted to do. And so my freshman year, I just spent the year – going to class and waking up early and getting to the airport ahead of time and doing my flights and, um, you know, studying everything that I needed to. And so my freshman year was pretty packed, I guess you could say with study time and running around, but it's worth it. I've absolutely loved every second of it. So what do you want to do when you finish school? Do you plan on going further in the rotorcraft business or jumping straight into, uh, to construction? You know, as, as I'm, I got about another year left here, and I've, I've put an awful lot of thought in that. As, as much as I'd love to get into the aviation and, and continue on, because I'm only a private pilot license right now, but as much as I'd love to continue on with my ratings and go get a job flying somewhere, I, I think that I, you know, I, I think I love it so much because I'm not forced to do it every day, and I can do it at my discretion, and, and I don't want to ruin that by going and teaching instruction and whatnot. Um, because I know at times that that can be pretty, pretty, um, it gets pretty old, especially out here in the heat. <laughs> but so the, the plan is to uh, go back to work for the, the construction company and continue to fly for fun. And um, I've thought about getting my commercial rating and I, I probably will, um, but I don't plan on really ever using it as far as uh, flying for a living. As of right now, if things changed, I would, if something changes with the company, I would definitely continue on with the ratings and, and go do that route. So it's kind of funny because in the first episode of the Ask the Ave Geek show, I had Eli Malloy, who's also a 44 pilot. Um, and I posed this question to him, but since for the second show in a row, I have another helicopter pilot here, I'm going to pose the same question to you because I feel it's just a little bit different and it's still a good question to ask, but describe the process behind becoming a helicopter pilot and how did you personally do it? Because it may differ from maybe what he did. So I started out in high school. It was my junior year, and I started flying 172s and um, finished up my license. And I have about 100 hours in fixed wing time in the 172. And when I got up to college, I didn't have access to that airplane anymore. And like I said, I had a little bit too much free time around, playing around, and, um, and started the helicopter training. Well, so, but it was different because I was just getting an add-on. And um, I went to the school and told them, hey, I'm a fixed-wing pilot. I kind of just want to get my hat on. And I had no idea what that would entail. And I, I thought it would be a, a lot easier than what it ended up being. I kind of figured, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 hours and you know, I'll be good to go. And it was completely wrong. Um, it took me about 40 hours. And there was a lot more to it because there was a lot more to helicopters. And, some, you know, you got to make sure you still know everything that um, – you need to be an airplane pilot. So that was kind of my route. Started out in the fixed wing, got a little bored, um, had too much time laying around and jumped in the helicopter and was head over heels and never turned back. So if a, you know, if a young, you know, a young kid, or I'll say from the younger generation, um, was, was contemplating getting into aviation and either going in the fixed wing side uh, or the rotorcraft side, 
what were some of the questions that that kind of pondered through your head um, and maybe some things that they may want to ask themselves? Okay, do I want to choose, <laughs> as you guys would probably call and what Eli would call the stuck wing kids uh, <laughs> versus the rotor wing, the rotor wing kids? Maybe what type of questions do you think uh, young kids may want to ask themselves before taking one route or the other? Um. You know, I think that it's important to ask yourself, what do you want to do with your license? Where do you see yourself? Do you, do you want to fly from one destination to the other? Are you interested in search and rescue? What kind of flying it would excite you? And as well, I would encourage people to go, if they can afford, do an interflight in, in both of them. Um, because it's, it's two totally different types of flying. And, and I think before you commit to one, you should experience both. If you can, if you can afford to go do an intra flight, because I, I think by the end of the flight, you'll have kind of a good idea of what you enjoy doing more, as well as research what what are the job opportunities for helicopter pilots and what are there for fixing pilots. Um, and just because you commit to one, you you can still you know if you decide to go to the dark side and go fly helicopters, it's it's just an add on. Um, and of course, you want to make that decision pretty early because you're going to be getting add on commercial and add on. Um, and instrument and whatnot. So, um, I would encourage you to just to, to do some research and do an intra flight both if you could. Yeah, you know, it, those are all good points because you know you don't necessarily have to do it for a job, right? You, you can do like you're doing. You can do construction, and then you can fly, or you can do it like me. You can work for an aviation OEM. And then go learn to fly. And it's you know you don't have to. I think people get this mistake. You know, they kind of mistake where it's like, okay, I have to be a airline pilot or, you know, I have to be an EMS pilot. Well, I can tell you a lot of other cool jobs out there that don't require being a, you know, some type of worker bee pilot. There's a lot of fun things you can do, um, out there with just even, I mean, even like, and maybe you, uh, maybe you agree or disagree with this, but even a sport license, you can do some fun things, fun things with. You don't have to go for all the ratings. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I like, I, you know, like we're talking about. I'm only doing this for fun, but I, I have absolutely had a blast. There's so many things you can go do, and if you're if you're looking for a career, there's there's so many things you could do. Is you know, you could go fly bush planes in Alaska, delivering supplies to to the backwoods and whatnot. And, and there's so many different types of flying you could you can get into and. Um, like you said, you don't just have to become an airline pilot, you know, and so absolutely. So I feel this next question that I want to ask, it's really, it's kind of funny because I forgot to really introduce how, how we, uh, how we got introduced to each other. Um, and I think this is a good lead into this next question, but we, we got introduced to each other because I think I found somehow I was following uh, my friend Eli, and somehow your your Instagram handle popped up, and I looked into your stuff, and I was like, man, these two kids need to get to know each other. Uh, and then I started following you. I started following your vlog and some of the videos that you put out there on YouTube, which uh, you may you may laugh there and like, oh man, those are kind of embarrassing or not good. But I thought they're I think <laughs> they I think they're pretty I think they're pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny because I really enjoyed the content that you were, that you were putting out. And I, I have this belief that I believe it's going to be us younger generation kids that are going to get more younger folks into the business. 
Um, and I think one of the best ways to do it is by showing that experiential, what I would consider experiential learning, which is just documenting what we do. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. I mean, when I go out on flight, I, I mean, I just try to take as many stupid pictures as possible. Um, and you know, just documenting that and getting it out to the world. And then hopefully, you know, people ask questions about it. Um, and by us connecting in that way, I thought it was, I thought it was really, really cool. And I have to say a lot of the stuff that you put out there, uh, is really, really cool. And I would say, keep doing it, but it leads into the next question is how did you decide to get into content creation? Um, and why did you decide to start putting it out on YouTube, on, uh, on Instagram and so on and so forth? You know, that, that's, that's really funny because it all started when I, when I was younger, I think I was, um, I think it may be like 13 or 14 and my dad got me a GoPro for Christmas and that was when I was racing dirt bikes. And first thing I wanted to do was slap that on my helmet and, um, try to make a video out of the footage. And so it's, it's all taken off from there. It started out with GoPros on, on dirt bike helmets to, uh, GoPros when I started flying and it was kind of originally just because I enjoyed making the videos. I enjoyed seeing this raw, these raw clips of footage and trying to, okay, how can I make this into something that's enjoyable to watch? Um, and it's, it's just grown from there, from GoPros to, to Sony cameras and the combination of all of it. And over time, it's, it's something that I, I really enjoy and I like making it and I like seeing the final product and I've just put it out there for in hopes that somebody else will enjoy it as well. Somebody um, like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but how, so how do you get your best content ideas? Do they just kind of pop up? Are they like ideas that you actually went and said, okay, let's do this today or this tomorrow? Are you just documenting? Uh, because, you know, it's, it's crazy, right? Like we, we try to come up with cool ideas and everybody out there in the world is, you know, okay, what can I do to get the most likes? What can I do to get the most followers? When I think there's a lot of people out there, we just like to put stuff out because it's stuff that we enjoy. Um, so where do you get your best content ideas uh, from and what kind of tips, you know, for somebody that is in the aviation world and just getting into the game um, because they want to also show off what they're doing um, to the world and show people what aviation is about. Um, how would, what would you say your ideas could, could be passed off to them uh, for tips and tricks? So it's, that's funny because I, I, it's a combination of both. Um, some of them are just documenting what I'm doing. A majority of them are, and sometimes we, I like to do things specifically to go get, you know, to have the experience and let's make a video of this. This would be a cool video. Um, but the majority of it are just documenting what's, what's going on. And, um, like for example, I just made a video about, um, we flew out and landed and shut down and went and did some swimming in the canal. Was anything special, but, it was a hot day. I've been working over the summer. I worked all day long in the construction company. And at the end of the day, I called a buddy and said, hey, let's go Let's go fly out and land and hop in the canal and cool off. And so some of them are just, you know, like as we're going. Um, and then I've done some things where I brought in JP or otherwise known as like the Condorist on Instagram. And he came out to Yuma for a weekend. And we spent the weekend flying around the sand dunes and whatnot. And so... I think that the the goal is, or the the my tips would be not, don't just try to come up with, hey, this would be what's going to get me well known, what's going to be a viral video. 
go do what you want and and have fun with it. And that's that's what's going to matter because at the end of the day, it's did you have fun doing it? And if you didn't have fun doing it, then it's not going to matter. And so have fun with it and create it as you go and don't pay attention to what the likes are and whatnot. Just keep putting it out there and it turns into something it will. And if not, you had fun anyways. And, and I, I swear, if we if we got you, if we got if we got uh, York, at, I, he's I fly heli. If we got Eli, if we got a few other uh, helicopter pilots here in the U.S. together, I can only okay. imagine the type of stuff that everybody could create. That would be the most epic. Uh, that'd be like the epic heli weekend. I swear, if that happened, that would be unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I'm. I'm- if we can arrange it, I will be there. Rain or shine. <laughs> we may we may have to we may have to come down south come down south for you. Oh um, yeah, it'll be a long flight if I'm coming to you. <laughs> in uh, in uh, in in your videos and in your photos uh, and, and just in your flying, because I feel like in everybody's flying, this kind of this question is going to kind of lead into it. Um, but what are your personal values that you that you always you know that you like to live by? Maybe it's both in aviation and in real life. Um, but are what what would be some values that maybe if kids that or kids or young folks trying to get into aviation, what kind of values do they need for this for this world? You know, I, I think that the aviation industry and just like any industry, there's going to be people out there who, um, this is, for example, I have a friend of ours, a friend of mine who went home and told his dad, like, yeah, Austin's getting his, his helicopter license. And his dad goes, yeah, we'll see if that actually happens or not. And, and that was pretty disheartening to me because I don't like it when people doubt me. And it, but it, the sad, the sad truth is it's going to happen. There's going to be people out there who are going to doubt you. And so be confident in yourself, be realistic, but be confident in yourself um, and be honest. There's, there's honesty, I think will get you farther in life than, you know, what people think. And, and I, I think that be true to yourself and you'll, you'll, you'll do all right. I don't think that um, don't change yourself or try to manipulate to fit the mold. Be yourself and it'll, it'll pay off. So how do the values that you just listed, how do you believe, you know, some of those values show up in your work, in your own opinion? You know, I see in some of your videos, you know, just just documenting yourself. But what what would you say? Um, By having original ideas, for one, being a copycat is not something anybody wants to be known for. And so I try really hard to make sure what I'm doing is is unique in its own i don't want to copy somebody else who's already made something similar and it, it's it's kind of hard when you get into just small uh group of people eventually you're going to run into some things that people are doing the same but but have your own twist don't don't just try to um follow the path somebody else has gone because it's it's that's somebody else's path and you know be unique keep doing your own thing and be respectful don't don't ever let obviously i'm a very small creator i don't have a large following by any means but but be respectful to the people around you and and don't ever let it let it get to your head make sure you still remember where you came from yeah no it's you know it's funny it's it's all kind of about humility in this space and i feel like it's the it's the aviators who 
don't really have a sense of humility that make the most mistakes and kind of ruin it for everybody else. Uh, so I 100% um, agree with you. And this is kind of this question's kind of gonna lead uh, lead more into the uh, what we were just talking about. But what hurdles have you personally faced in aviation? Um, and how have you been able to take those values and overcome those hurdles? So when I first started flying helicopters, and, and this is something that I, I've had people who have asked me, like, hey, man, where did you get your license at? And where do you recommend? Like, what are some, what do you recommend? What's your path? What, how would you recommend doing it? And the first thing I tell them is to know what you need, hour-wise, time-wise, know exactly what you need to get your license. Because one of the first problems I had was I kind of just relied on my instructor to um, tell me what I needed and, and whatnot. And I realized that, you know, some instructors are there because they're in a stepping stone to the next position. So they are going to take a chance to gain whatever type of hours they need. And I was being told that I needed, you know, nighttime and whatnot when I really did it. And so make sure you know what you need. Um, because I've experienced that when people were just trying to, bad instructors were just trying to take advantage of me. Um, and it's not cheap. This is something that's very, very expensive. And it's it's really disheartening when you find out that you didn't need those last five hours of nighttime. I 100% um, agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and so that, that was kind of, and also at some point in your, your, training regard whether it be airplane or helicopter you're going to hit this wall and and for me it was it was heat i was in yuma it was really hot there was an ac in the aircraft and you just you just kind of hit this point usually it's about 15 20 hours in you just you just hit this wall and you're like man i i really don't want to go do this today because you're starting to get into some training that's not necessarily fun and you you're you just feel like every day is just nothing but training, but you got to remember the end goal. You got to remember why you're doing this. And so, um, you got to keep your, your eyes on the eyes on the prize and power through that because once you get through it, it starts to become fun again. So keep your eye on the prize and make sure you know what you need. And it's, it's kind of, you, you were talking about the, uh, the price tag and I, and I've talked about that in a few, few other, uh, podcast episodes, but you know, some of us have been fortunate, um, you know, to be able to just, a, afford uh getting pilot's license uh whether that be on the fixed wing or the rotorcraft side but for because there's a lot of i i feel because i've seen you know i've seen some of these uh folks but some of the younger folks are like you know it's too expensive i can't do it i don't want to do it um and i'm like but there's ways you know there are ways to do it there's plenty of scholarships out there you know there's plenty of opportunities to if you want to get a part-time job somewhere i mean what would you tell somebody that you know would give you the excuse oh getting a pilot's license is too expensive that's why i don't want to do it you know I, i've been very very fortunate that i didn't have to um I, I didn't have to struggle with that and that and it's it's really sad that that's what prevents people from being able to do this but at the same time i, I kind of compare it to college um college isn't cheap either and i in my opinion exactly. it's definitely way more mm -hmm. expensive than getting a license but for some reason that it people will believe that is way more attainable than your pilot's license and you can go to school for aviation you can go to college for aviation and by the end of it you'll have your your license and whatnot but you still went to college and you can get that paid for in the same way you would any other career or any other major 
And so you can go that route. Um, and like you mentioned, there's scholarships for licenses and, and, and whatnot. And I, I think that you just got to do what you have to. Um, whether it's be, you know, working all summer long, stacking up money and just waiting. And, and like I mentioned earlier, making sure you know what you need, because if you're paying for this, you know, flight by flight and you find out that you just wasted, you know, a large amount of money on that night time or whatever it was you didn't really need, it's, it, that'd be extremely disheartening. So, so make sure you know what you need. And, and it's, it's kind of, you get what you put in. So when it comes to the groundwork, make sure you're doing it. It's, it'll, it'll make it go by a lot faster and you won't have to do, you won't spend as much time in the airplane or in the helicopter rehearsing that if you know it on the ground and you can study for free. You don't have to pay an instructor to, to instruct you on that. Yeah. I feel like, you know, if, if people, the, the, the folks that say, okay, yes, I want to come into aviation. If they would actually do the work and do the research, it would come out, you know, cause I did it too. You know, I, everybody asked, well, how did you do it? And I say, well, I relatively did it a cheap way, but I had to do the actual work to figure out how to do it the cheap way. I had to ask around. I had to spend six months researching and I had to do a lot of work on my computer to figure out what was the best and cheapest way to be able to go and afford this. But I feel like people just want to show up to a school, expect a certain price and just be done with it. But lo and behold, after six months of research, research and seven months of flying, it's a lot more work. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the, and the ground is, um, is I, I think the groundwork is definitely majority of it. And there's a lot of resources out there that, that make it really easy. I, I used an online ground school and it, and it visualizing what was being talked about really helped me. And so there's, there's ways of doing it to where you're minimizing what the actual cost, because the ground is not the expensive part, the flight time is, but you, if you have to do the groundwork, you know, while you're trying to fly, which is also something that I experienced was I kind of wasn't putting in as much work on the ground as I should and it started to affect the flight time because, you know, now we're trying to go over this while we're flying instead of doing instruction and whatnot. And so make sure you're doing the groundwork before you ever get in the aircraft. So you were talking, you were just talking about those resources and, you know, I, I always give, you know, the people that ask me the, uh, the resources that I use, cause I'm not holding anything back. And I mean, it's, it's all out there, but what are some of those resources out there that you believe that are really good, um, that young kids could take advantage of if they have a passion for aviation and they're just looking to learn more or maybe get a head start, you know? Well, one thing that I think that it's overlooked is just being around it, um, just being out of the airport, even if you're just hanging out in an airport restaurant, you know, and, and trying to catch flights with people as much as you can. It's you'll learn, learn a lot. Um, I have a friend of mine who has never attempted to get his license, but I swear the guy knows more about grounds than I do. And that's because he spends all day long riding around in airplanes. And so just being around it, for one, is a good resource. And two, <laughs> kind of silly but there's a book and i think they have an, avi- uh, an airplane one but mine is the helicopter flying handbook and that book if you learned and read that book cover to cover and memorized it you would be way ahead of the rest of the people um as well as i used uh i used sporty's online ground school and that like i said visualizing it and and being able to watch the same ground over and over was 
was made it really easy for me. Yeah, and that was one of the ways I was actually able to save money because if I went through either an instructor or through a um, through an actual program at a school, uh, the ground can get pretty expensive. But if you just go through a ground, ground online course, it's pretty inexpensive, and you can get it done whenever the heck you want. And, and another thing that I did was when I was getting my fixed wing, I went and did a, a three-day crash course. Well, I don't know if you want to call it that, but a three-day course with uh, American Flyers, I believe, was the company. And they, it was three days of nonstop instruction all day long. And it was it got pretty boring by the end of the day. But at the end of the third day, you took your ground test and you were you were done. I wouldn't recommend you know having any. You want to make sure you still did your, your study time before that. But that was a good way to to, to wrap it all up and, and get the grounds knocked out of the way. And one of the other things is you said just being around and you know whether that be the airport or an aviation restaurant. What about, you know, it's kind of the same way that we connected. What do you think about the up and coming way of connecting with younger aviators through social media? Because Eli and I got a little bit into this uh, in the last episode. And I mean, he raved about it and how he was able to make so many more connections. Have you seen that same type of trend uh, for you in social? Oh, absolutely. I've, I've made friends that I would have never have met if it wasn't for it. JP, which is the Condors, Matt Guthmiller, who um, does a lot of banana flying. Guys like that I would have never have met if it wasn't for social media and to be able to reach out to them. And and it's 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 huge. And I think that, like you said, it's, it's going to be our generation that brings up the next wave of pilots. And um, being able to have people reach out to, to us that are, hey, you know, how do I do this? Or, hey, what do you recommend here? You know, I, I have... I had a I had a couple of kids who asked me, you know, hey, what do you recommend that I do here? And I love those questions. I love being able to help people out or who want to do this. And and I would have never have been able to tap help them out if it wasn't for social media. It's it, it's crazy because you know it's funny because I work I work at an OEM and people it they see me on my phone. And they're like, why are you on your phone a lot? And I'm like, well, I'm working. And they're like, well, what are you working on? And I say, I'm connecting with people. And it's crazy. I mean, even when I'm not at work, I'm connecting with people like you. And even though it was funny, because even though Eli and I worked in the same business and he worked in a different building, we actually did more connection over on Instagram than we ever did originally face-to-face. Um, and everybody else who I've met in the aviation space, it's, it's amazing the power of social media that it's had just in simple connections. When you can figure out what people do and they're just documenting what they're doing and those people see what you're doing and it's an instant connection, it's like there's no judgment. It's like everybody loves, everybody has that passion, and it's just a great way uh, to connect. And I think a lot of the younger generation that uses these programs forgets that it's like, Oh, if I'm interested in something, I can just go find somebody that's interested too and start asking them questions. Get pick their brain. Oh, absolutely. And and don't let the fact that somebody has a big following stop you from reaching out to them. Um, and and like for example, I I reached out to people who have huge accounts and they respond. Don't don't think that they're not going to reply to you or that they're just going to brush you off because. That, you know, like I said, they you got to remember where you came from, and at some point they were in the same shoes that you were, and 
don't be don't be afraid to ask or so, don't be afraid to reach out at all and i think this is it's funny how these these segues are are, are happening really really good um what do you believe, you know, for the for the people that it is hard, uh, it is hard for them. Why do you believe or, you know, what is the reason that m- most young people fail or give up on their dreams, whether that be in aviation, um, which we can maybe focus on or just their dreams in in general? OK, so to answer the aviation side of that question, I think that. One, it becomes too expensive, and I, I hate that that's a reason why it prevents people from, from achieving their goals. Or two, they scare themselves. I, I know a few pilots who have had a close call, and they, they just, they're too scared. They're like, ah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that I'm going to get back in that airplane. Um, and I granted, you know, that's never something you want to do, but you got to push through that, and you have to realize that, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes and it's you're not the only one that's that's going to make mistakes but just keep keep going and you know be safe obviously that's number one but but learn from your mistakes and and keep going i i think that that's a huge part of it as well as the money and um you just you just got to keep going and don't let don't let that be what prevents you from from reaching your goals so what are you know as as you've been gaining hours uh, in making your way um, through kind of the aviation world? What have been some some roadblocks that you have experienced, and you know what are some of the tips that you know you can tell some younger younger aviation folks out there to uh, to kind of watch out for as they also gain experience uh, in aviation? Well. So when I first got my, after I had achieved my, my, or got received my, uh, once I got my helicopter license, I, I kind of had nowhere to go. They don't rent helicopters like they do airplanes. They don't, if you wanted to do this for fun then, or for, for a hobby and whatnot, I kind of was at a point where like, well, great. I've got this really shiny license, but nothing to fly anymore. And so you got to make sure you're always you have one step ahead. Make sure you know what your next your next step's going to be when you get to uh, before you get to that point. And for me, I was fortunate enough to be to be acquiring an aircraft and so that I could do some continued on with the flying and whatnot. Um, but you know if that wasn't the case, I probably would have just continued on with my commercial uh, just so I could have kept flying. Um, and so make sure you're staying a step ahead. Make sure you have a plan and you know where you want to go and you're, you're making sure that you can, you can do that. So looking, that, that, wasn't, the, that wasn't the best answer, but I'm sorry. Oh no, 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 you're good. You're good. No. Okay. So looking forward, you know, you, you've been doing, you know, you've had these experiences, you, you've seen these roadblocks and you'll probably have a lot, you know, a lot more. I mean, you're a helicopter pilot. Um, and we all know that flying a helicopter is not easy. Um, it can bring its troubles, uh, uh, as well. But if you looked like 10, maybe 10 or well, not 20, but maybe 10 years down the road, um, at least in your, your passion for aviation, 
where do you see yourself 10 years down the road um, in aviation? Do you still see yourself being a private pilot? Do you see yourself, I don't know, running running a flight school or something? Where do you, in aviation at least, what where do you see yourself in 10 years? You know, I, I don't ever think I'll own a flight school. Um, I just have never had any desire to uh, do any instruction. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, I it was just, it was just a crazy it was just a crazy <laughs> idea. I was like, oh well, what can he own? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I for sure hope that I'm still flying, um, and I, I don't see any reason for me to stop. But in ten years, I hope that I'm either continuing on or just just building flying for fun. And I, I will probably have my commercial rating, and, and I've thought about knocking that out here pretty soon. Um, the only reason why I haven't is just because I'm still in college and I'm pretty stacked on class time right now. But I, I hope that in 10 years I'm, I've stacked some time. I've got about 500 hours now and I hope by 10 years, you know, I have enough time to be an experienced pilot and to be um, known as, or be thought of as a, a trustworthy, not a, not a trustworthy, but somebody with experience, somebody that can you can go to if you have questions. I guess being a, a resource to other people that are wanting to get in aviation or other pilots, um, and because when you're when you're doing this for a career, you're kind of limited on some of the flying you do is very repetitive, or you're doing a certain type of flying. But what's different when you're doing it for hobbies, you're you're kind of doing a lot of different types of flying, and. You know, for example, like I was, I was in San Diego last week, or not last week, a couple weeks back, doing some flying over there, and it's a whole other type of flying. And to me, it was completely different from what I'm used to over here in the desert. And so, I had people ask me, like, "Hey, how did you handle this? Or what did you hear?" And so, having that wide variety of experiences is what I would like to have in ten years to be able to answer people's questions better, I guess. So, when when you fly, do you fly from do you fly directly from the desert to to San Diego, or how does that work? I did. So I took off out of here in Phoenix, and oddly enough, I get to go through my hometown, Yuma. So I, uh, it's about an hour and a half flight from where I'm at to Yuma. Shut down, went to lunch with my dad and whatnot, and, um, and then kept going. And then it took me about another hour and a half, another hour and a half to go over to San Diego. And so it's just, um, you try to break it up because three and a half hours in a helicopter is a really long time to sit in there. So you, you want to break it up to where it's not so bad. So what is the coolest destination that you have gone to so far uh, in the in the aircraft? Oh, um, Sedona is beautiful. Sedona is a great a great place to go. Um, to me, though, it was it was the coastline of California. I, I you know being out here in the desert, you don't get to see too many blue, too much blue water, and, and uh, that to me was really cool. I really enjoyed that. I had a great time doing that. I, I could have done that for another week. <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> so before we get into the lightning round questions, these are questions that I love uh, love to ask on the podcast. Um, what are some last kind of last tips or words of advice for um, the younger generation of aviators out there, and just you know, young kids? at all i would say um that maybe have an interest to get into into this world whether that be on the mechanic side whether that be on the support side or whether that be on the pilot side as well 
what, you know, being young, being in this world um, and kind of understanding it, what are kind of some last tidbits of, you know, information or motivational information that could help them? You know, I think do your research. Make sure you know what you want to do because it's it's expensive, and you want to make sure that you're being effective in the way that you're you're going about it. Um, reach out to people. You know, nine times out of ten, people are always willing to help out, and they'll always give you their advice. They'll always give you, you know, what they think you should do. Um, so use that to your advantage. Make sure you know what you're doing as far as where you want to go, and um, and 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 make sure you're putting in the work because it's it's not easy. It's it's going to take some effort, and it is you get you get what you put in, or you get out what you put in, and put in everything you got, and it'll it'll reward. Yeah, I really like you know I love when you keep talking about just reaching out to people because the one thing that I've learned in the aviation world is you know because everybody's got the same passion because everybody just loves this business. It doesn't matter what walk of life that an individual comes from. It's like, if you want to talk aviation with them, they're 100% willing to talk aviation with them. I mean, it's like, well, I think in a podcast before it was like one of the top things I love about aviation is that this little space is like a non-judgmental space. I'm not calling the world of aviation like a safe space by any means, but I'm just saying that like, <laughs> when you're in this world and you want to talk about this world and you want to grow this world, everybody's on the same page with you. And you know, it's like everybody is the most friendliest person in the world. Oh, absolutely. I'll talk your ears off. <laughs> I love, I love talking <laughs> about flying. And, and, and one other thing I think that is a good, a good idea, um, is, is find, if you have the ability, find somebody who is your age or in the same place you are in your, in your training or is, is looking to do the same thing you are because there's nothing like being able to call a friend or hit somebody and be like, dude, I just did this. This is really cool. What did you do in your training today? And, and being able to bounce ideas and study together and, and learn with somebody is, is a great time. Me and my buddy, David, we do a lot of flying, a lot, an awful lot of flying together. And there's an awful lot of discussions that have came up over lunches and over dinners that, have led both of us into looking things up and to find more information out. And so just being there, having somebody to talk to will really help you have a better understanding and help grow your, um, your knowledge base on all of it. That, that's really that, it, that you bring up such a really, really good point. You know, I have a mentor here. Uh, well not here, I'm out of town, but in the DFW area, um, he's an executive uh, for a non-aviation company. But he gave me one of the greatest tips that I thought I've, I've never thought about. Um, and he goes, "You need a personal, like, what he calls a personal board of directors." And there's three people that you have on your board, right? And it's somebody that's older than you that you can look up to. It's somebody like you just said, Dave, who is basically at the same point in life as you, and you're basically going through the same things, and you can bounce ideas and talk a strategy about life or whatever, aviation, and that's your second person. And then the third person, and, you know, something that I love, you know, just I've had experience with coaching um, and sports and whatnot, but somebody younger than you, um, so you can help bring them up. Um, as well. So I thought you just hit like right on the spot there with, you know, having somebody or other people to bounce ideas off 
because it just gets down to that, you know, nitty gritty and that little idea that my mentor like put into my head um, about this is what you need to do if you want to be successful in life is you have to have these people in your life in order to bounce these ideas off of. Absolutely. I love that. That is that is perfect. Um, um, there's nothing like having somebody to look up to and nothing like being able to teach somebody and bring them along the way. Exactly. So what we're going to get into now is this is kind of funny. I love uh, these are these are going to be the more fun questions now. Um, we're going to get a little less serious and we're going to go into the lightning round of questions. So basically, I'm going to ask you 10 questions and whatever you're thinking on the top of Austin's head, you got to let you got to let the world know. All right. All right. Uh, all right. So we're going to start out with the first question. And don't worry. These are questions that I ask everybody. So uh, <laughs> you, n- nobody's getting let off the hook here. So everyone in aviation has their own quirks. So on a scale of one to ten, how weird are you? Oh, I would say probably six. Okay, that's good. I think I, th- I think I told Eli. I think I told Eli on the last one. I was like, I think I was like seven or eight or something like that. I think, but no, it's funny because it's like we're all. It's weird, right? Because I've run into so many people in aviation, and I can always find their quirks about them. But that's what I love about them, because aviation is just like everybody in aviation is such a character. I just love it. Oh, there's there's so many things that are done the same way, but people have their own twist to it. Uh huh. And and you know when you're learning getting your license, if you go through a couple of different instructors, you'll get to experience that. Exactly. And like for me, for example, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm talking. Ruin this whole lightning. Oh, no, 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 it's cool. For me, I'm like, (laughs) I'm very, very, very (laughs) anal about about the way the seatbelts are in the helicopter and things like that. Like, you can if you get out and just leave them like flopped around, you'll see me go back around and tighten them all back up, put them all back down the way (laughs) I want them. And nobody can get it else right. You know, it doesn't matter who, how many times you've done it, I'm still gonna go and correct it. (laughs) We all, we all have our little quirks about us. No, 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 I love it. I love it. Um, what is your favorite word? Uh, probably shenanigan. Shenanigan. <laughs> I love it. That's that's awesome. All right. What's your favorite food? Uh, Italian. Probably pizza. Pizza. I love pizza. I, it's funny. I'm here in uh, I'm here in Monterey, and I literally I was looking for a place to eat today, and I pull into this place uh, in I think it's Carmel. I think that's how you say it. Um, and it was a pizza joint. It was like, I was like, I'm a, I just want something quick. I want something cheap. And I see on the glass, all you can eat pizza buffet. And I'm like, Ooh. okay, I just hit my spot. Yep. <laughs> I know uh, it's weird. I don't like real Italian pizza. I like American pizza. Italian pizza to me was just like too soggy. Not my style. It's almost like <laughs> it's, I, I consider Italian pizza you know, and I have some Italian friends and I know people out there in our own business and I know they'll take offense to this, but it's almost like scab on a bread. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I love, I love pizza as well. All right. What sound or noise do you love the most? Oh, probably that blade slap when a helicopter, if you just get the position just right, it's like a wop, 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 wop. That is, yeah. that is the noise. It's, you know, it's funny. It's like, okay, so being at Bell, we get to hear it quite a bit uh, when they're out flying. But the sound of a Huey, an old school Huey, when it comes, I mean, you can literally, that thing can be 10 miles away. And as soon as you start hearing that clap, you know exactly what's coming. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That is, that is like, um, 
the juicy fruit. Yeah. <laughs> <hear> it, yeah. <laughs> um, what's the most important thing you carry with you on every flight? Probably my spot transmitter. Um, it's it's kind of like a like a personal GPS type device that you can push emergency buttons and whatnot, and uh, it immediately dials nine one one for you and sends your location. I, I think that is something I carry with me. I've shut down and gone back and grabbed it when I've forgotten it. I think that is something that I have. It has to be with me. I'm gonna have to tell Eli that because the answer that he gave me was gum. And I like your answer a lot better than gum. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is also very important. <laughs> yeah. What profession other than your own that you're going to, you know, you're, you're in school now and you want to do construction, but if you could do any other profession than the one that you plan on going into, what would, what would that be? Uh, Definitely the aviation side. I'm going into construction, but if I wasn't doing that, I'd be finding something, something to do with flying. You know, it's funny. I'm out here in California now, and I can't not but hear the all the stories of you know all the wildfires and whatnot. I'm, I've seen photos on Instagram and Facebook of all the flight lines that are full of helicopters. I think it would. I know it's really really dangerous, but I think it would be pretty cool to be a you know, a firefighting helicopter pilot. I think that would be pretty darn cool. Oh, absolutely. That would be, that would be uh, one hell of an experience. So what are you not very good at? Radio comms in unfamiliar areas, I would have to say. Like when you go into somewhere new and you're not sure of everything that's going on, I hate that situation. You know, I always feel like I'm stumbling all over myself. <laughs> yeah. I've probably I've probably made a mistake a little higher than that a couple weeks ago, but we won't get into that one. Um, uh-uh. But no, trust <laughs> me, we're all we all have our our ups and downs. All right, question number eight: What is your ultimate dream in life? You know, I I, I think just to be happy and to live a life of adventure and to build relationships and friendships along the way. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, of course, you know, I guess it's very cliche to say, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you can't take your things with you, but to have experiences and memories that when I'm sitting around can't walk anymore, I hope that's what, what I've got. Stories to tell my grandkids. That's, I wouldn't, as, as I say, if you're, if you don't wake up every day and you're not doing things that make you happy, then you're probably doing the wrong things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because one thing that Eli and I got to, and I had asked him about, you know, I, we were, we started talking about regret and how almost of a poison regret is. And it's like, you know, if you're young, if you're, if you're someone's age, like us, I mean, you're younger than I am. Um, but if you're young and complaining not, about not being able to do things, you have so much time just to do it and just to do the things you enjoy doing. Um, so yeah, I really, I really like that answer. Uh, number, number nine, Ooh, this is a good one. What is your biggest pet peeve in aviation? Sloppiness. And when people do dumb things and ruin it for others, I, I think for one thing sloppy, this isn't, this is not a industry that you, 
can afford to be sloppy in because that be, that leads to mistakes and mistakes lead to accidents. Yeah. Um, and, and so you have to make sure you're on top of your stuff. And um, when, when people do something dumb and ruin it for others, this, this industry is already under enough scrutiny. And the last thing we need is bad people ruining it for the rest of us. And especially, you know, especially helicopters, because it's like, you know, I can't tell you all the times that you hear about one helicopter accident because of one, even a mistake that wasn't even a pilot mistake, a mechanical mistake. And all of a sudden people, they get, this is like this bad rap around helicopters. Like, oh, helicopters are so dangerous. Well, no, not really. <laughs> if you actually yeah, exactly. experienced it, no, they're, they're really not. They're, I would... I don't know. It's me personal. I would probably choose to go in an airplane or a helicopter any day over a car, but that's just me. You know, I have fixed wing pilots who were also pilots back in the day. I, I have a few friends that used to fly in Vietnam and they've all told me that they would rather be in a helicopter when the engine quits than an airplane. And I, I was pretty surprised to hear that, but I was, I, you know, when they explained it, I said, yeah, because you know, finding you could do an auto rotation, you could, you don't need a runway. And there's a lot of places where, if you're in an airplane and you quit, you're, you're kind of, you got nowhere to go. Yeah. And I was really surprised when I hear that, but I go, you know what, you're right. I, I probably would rather be an helicopter as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 strange, right? And I tell that to people too, you know, being a fixed wing pilot but working at Bell, people always, you know, when they tell me, oh, aviation, you know, or flying, it's dangerous. I'm like, no, it's not. You know, what happens if the engine goes out? Well, you can do an emergency landing or you can do an auto rotation. Well, if something happened, which would you rather be in, a, a airplane or a helicopter? I actually gave a few people those answers, a helicopter, and they look at me like I have 10 heads. And I'm like, well, you know, it's funny because until you experience what an auto rotation feels like, then you don't really understand the whole concept of, yeah, it's actually a pretty safe maneuver and it can save your life. And it doesn't matter where you are because you can execute that anywhere. Absolutely. The first few are definitely going to make you tense up. But once you get used to it, and you've done enough of them, you'll be pretty relaxed and comfortable in the situation. <laughs> All right. Question number 10 of the lightning round. If you could fly anything what would you fly? Oh, I'd love to have the opportunity to fly Huey. And, of course, the Bell 505. I think, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, got to throw that one in there. But the Huey would be just such a such an awesome experience. I think that that helicopter has so much history to it that that would just be a wild, a wild opportunity. It, it's, you know, and I'm not going to say this because I'm biased. I'm just saying this because I would say this before I even joined Bell. But that, it's just the history behind it, the it has such a special noise to it. It's like whenever you don't even, that thing can be so far away and you can just start hearing the noise. And the first thing somebody's going to say is, Oh, that's a Huey coming. I mean, it's, you've seen it in movie after movie after movie and you just know what that sound is. And you know, it's almost like it's got its own, it's, it's got its own little jingle. Like you could play it and everybody's, yeah, that's a Huey. I mean, there's just so much passion and love around that aircraft. It's, Amazing. Everybody knows what it sounds like, and it's. I will say the one of my one of my pet peeves is when somebody's making a YouTube video and they use the sound of a Huey on another helicopter, and you're like, that is that is clearly not. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like, a Huey, like a Huey, like a Huey on a on a Huey on a 407 or a Huey on an A Star. It's like, uh, that's not the noise it makes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that was pretty fun. I feel. 
I feel like I get to I get to know everybody through these lightning round questions a little better because they're uh, they're a little the, the more fun questions that we get to ask here on the show. But we're going to start getting into the final questions now and kind of wrapping up um, the show, even though we've had a lot of fun so far. Um, so in these final uh, the final questions, I'm going to ask you two. Well, actually, I'm going to ask you one and then you're going to ask me one and it's going to be, you know, kind of a nice little switch off. So the question that I want to ask you personally is what do you want people to remember Austin as? Um, I, I hope that I'm remembered as somebody who's respectful and humble about their opportunity because, you know, I, I'm a very young kid who's been very fortunate to have the experiences I've had. And, and the last thing that I want is somebody to have a bad, um, or, or to have a bad, to have a bad rap because of that. And so I, I try to be very respectful and very humble about that. And somebody who just is a all around good guy and has fun, but you know knows when it's time to be serious and, um, you know, does things the way they should be done. Now, what what do you, from from that the chief av geek <laughs> uh, of the podcast? What what kind of question do you want to ask? Uh, ask me oh first off i have to ask you what inspired you to start this podcast what is what was the driving factor the driving factor all right yeah so i'll get into that that's it's that's a really that's a super good question and i'm surprised that you asked that question and my buddy eli didn't ask it on the last episode uh because he knows me so much better um (laughs) honestly you know honestly so i have this dream um because of what I, I've experienced in aviation and kind of where I got my first taste uh, in aviation from a guy who he was a he was a brigadier yeah brigadier general no he didn't make brig he was a uh, a colonel at the time he was about to make brig and he died unfortunately um, of a crazy accident but one of the things that I think the aviation industry lacks quite a bit is mentoring for the youth. I feel like, I mean, we're a special, we are, you know, people hate the millennials. They, they rag on us. Um, but I feel we are, we are kind of what is starting to make the world turn. And I think in aviation, because it's just like, I mean, you hear about it all the time, um, in the industry, you know, you got pilots retiring, the, the airlines are having a hard time, um, fill, filling their ranks. You know, maybe it's not the big majors, but you hear about everybody else from flight schools to regionals, um, to businesses, not being able to find qualified pilots. Um, and I think it's going to be us younger generation that kind of pulls the kids, uh, into the industry by documenting what we're doing, kind of like what you're doing, kind of like, uh, what York's doing or Eli's doing or anybody else out there that is showing what they're doing every single day. But I want to basically kind of my dream is I would love to create kind of a nonprofit, um, organization that would actually, my goal would be one, basically to help and mentor one young, um, you know, what, you know, it, it, the term sounds bad, but, you know, almost at risk youth that loves aviation and has a driving passion for it and be able to get them at no cost to be able to go through either, you know, their choice of rotorcraft training, fixed wing training, or even, you know, mechanic training, because maybe they they love cars or something, but they have a passion for aviation and being able to put them 
through their training at zero cost to them so they can start pursuing their own um, their own goals. So that that's kind of almost like a life goal, right? That That's going to take a long time to actually get done. But that goal started me to documenting about what I want to do and then seeking out from other people like yourself, um, well, how did you do it? What are tips and tricks uh, you know, that you experienced? What are some of the hardships? Uh, what are things that you learned? Um, you know, who are the people that you met? What's the best ideas? What's the best resources? And I figured the best way to do this was to start a podcast and just be giving an outlet, uh, to people to listen to and to get information, not just from me, but from people that have actually physically lived it, who breathe it every single day. And then I just decided to start the podcast and it really started from, I did it from my phone. I think the first episode that I recorded, I was coming, I think I was coming home from my first flight lesson and I was using an app called Anchor and you literally could sit there, record in your phone and that was it. But it was like literally the longest you could go was five minutes. So I think my first episode was maybe five minutes. Um, but ever <laughs> since, ever since then, it's now a big distribution channel and I love it. Um, but I was like, you know what? I think this could this could grow into something. And I talked to my buddy Eli and I said, Hey, this is what I want to do. And I want you to be my first guest. And he goes, this is a brilliant idea. And then I started hearing from other people. They're like, Hey, I listened to your podcast. Like, that's pretty cool. I'm like, man, I was actually kind of embarrassed to hear myself talk on a microphone. And then I hear other people that are actually following it and they're listening to it and getting good, like getting good stuff out of it. Like I posted, just, a, you know, somebody dropped me a DM on Instagram and said, hey, I wish I would have had this information um, prior to actually going through um, my helicopter training. Like, you know, I, I learned a lot from Eli and I thought it was some good stuff. Uh, keep it up. And it's just like simple stuff like that where it was it was a stupid idea to help me with a dream that I wanted to attend to. And it just kind of started to flourish. So I'm so young and still new to this that I can't even figure out my own equipment. But I'm just having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I get to meet people like you and hear out their stories and put them on um, and kind of get their story out to the world. Uh, and that's just what I want to continue with. And hopefully one day I'll get to my dream and I'll, I'll, I'll start helping uh, some of the youth. But I love coaching. I love teaching. But I just feel in the industry there's a huge lack of mentorship and being able to bring kids up. And this is just one of those avenues that uh, I hope helps do that. Well, it, it sounds like you already have because those those responses that you you received are exactly what you're wanting to do. They're they're helping those kids out that are wanting to get into that. That that makes it all worth it. That's awesome. Yeah, and so because the real goal, you know, when you can create an organization like a nonprofit, you know, I've already started talking to a few people, um, even from people out of state, uh, out of Texas, of a program that you can literally help somebody that's basically at, you know, at risk or at need, um, that really just wants, has a burning passion to do this. It's not just, you know, like you and I, you know, we've, we've been the fortunate, um, you know, folks that we, we can get in and it's, you know, it's not too difficult for us, but there's kids that are basically looking through the fence saying, I'm never going to be able to get into this. And those are the types of kids that I want to touch in, uh, help get in, but they're going to require a lot of mentorship. They they need support and being able to bring the right people in that also believe in that type of mission. Um, and that's hopefully, you know, the podcast is just going to be a piece of that. Um, so 
for the last question, um, before I let, uh, let you kind of go into where people can find you, um, what questions or what question, uh, would you like to ask my small, but growing, uh, growing audience? So for, for those of you that are pilots, what inspired you to become a pilot? And for those of you who are wanting to be pilots, what is it that drives you want to, what is it that is driving you to want to be a pilot? Is it, um, you know, the, the, the ability to fly or what is it to travel? What is it that makes you want to become a pilot? So everybody listening, make sure you hit, uh, hit me up on either Instagram or Twitter at Hodge, H-O-D-G-E underscore C-H-E, uh, and answer Austin's question. And Austin, where can people, where can people find you and your content? So if they feel like answering you directly, or if they have more questions for you directly, where can they find you? I'm, I'm mainly on Instagram and YouTube. And my, my Instagram handle is Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N, Claiborne, C-L-A-B-O-R-N. And I'm on Instagram and also on YouTube. And my, my channels are pretty small. My YouTube is, it's growing, but it's growing very slowly. It's the slow growth that's the good growth. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I, I transitioned my personal Instagram into my aviation one and for a while there, I was losing followers, and I'm like, man, this is not working out very well because you can't expect everyone that you know to care about flying and whatnot. But now it's on the up and up. It's it's finally hit that point to where now it's mainly people are looking for aviation following me. It's it's cool to see it. The numbers going the other way now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Austin, I just want to say thank you for you know taking time uh, out of your day to 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 come onto the show and just. Uh, share your experiences, share your story, how you how you have come up in the aviation world, what you're doing right now, and just your uh, your two cents for the younger aviation generation out there that maybe can help them um, as they either build upon their career if they're in the space or hopefully give them uh, a little bit more motivation uh, to maybe think more about uh, aviation as a possible space to go in. So I just want to thank you. Uh, thank you again for taking the time to come on to today's show. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And I had a great time. All right, Austin. Well, there you have it, folks. Episode two of the Ask the Av Geek show. So happy to have Austin Claiborne on the show. Uh, if you guys didn't hear it when he was talking about it, make sure you go over to Instagram and follow him at Austin Claiborne. That's A-U-S-T-I-N-C-L-A-B-O-R-N. And you can also go check out his vlogs and the content that he's creating uh, over on YouTube as well. You can find him out there. Search Austin Claiborne out on YouTube. Uh, go give him a subscribe there. Give him a follow on Instagram and uh, check out some of the cool stuff that he's doing uh, on social media. If you guys haven't already, subscribe to the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. Listen to it on your favorite podcast outlet, whether that's Anchor, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Check us out on Spotify. Uh, whatever you, wherever you listen to your podcast, give the Av Geek Chronicles podcast a subscribe and a listen, and hit me over on social media as well at Hodge underscore C H E. That's 
at h-o-d-g-e underscore c-h-e and let me know what you think chime in about today's episode and don't forget like i said give austin claiborne a follow over on social media and we'll see you next time and on the next episode of av geek chronicles